Good evening, everyone. How are y'all? That's awful. I mean, utterly pathetic. I mean, seriously. Uh, there's a couple of other quick announcements. Um, all of you see these little cards that you're under your butt. This is Pine Cove Christian Camps, Lance and Daniel back right here. Everybody look right here. Um, they've driven all the way from Texas just to be with you tonight. They're turning out tonight and driving back. Just kidding. Um, no, seriously, they've been traveling all over just to have this, this, these Christian camps out in, in East Texas that they're uh, here promoting. Uh, he and I, Lance and I talked on the phone for a while um, and uh, had a great conversation just about what they're doing, uh, invited them to come. And so they're here tonight. Uh, you can see the little card says they're going to be actually be here tonight looking for people who want to interview possibly for the camp. Uh, they're also going to be on campus tomorrow. That's what this card is all about. And um, so if you would like to connect with them, I, 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 they probably have some information. I have some information right here. I'm just going to read some of the cool job descriptions they have to you all because I think it's pretty cool. Um, some of them I have, no, I have no idea what they are, but they sound cool. So I'm just going to read this to you. First, you have counselors. It's pretty generic. They have boat drivers. Then they have, they have nautiques. You might know that Nautique is the uh, official towboat of Water Ski Association, whatever. It's pretty cool. You can be cool driving one. They have ropes. That's pretty awesome. We have videographers, photographers, nannies, um, van drivers, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So anyway. If you're interested in a cool camp for the summer, look, here's the picture on the front. It's this dude wakeboarding. I think they ripped that off of somewhere else. I don't know. Is that really a legit guy? Um, so anyway, you can go and wakeboard this summer and, and pull it and drive a nautique. Um, so anyway, if you're interested in that, talk to them afterwards. They'll be here. Um, for those of you also who uh, don't know, this weekend is fall retreat. Um, and we talked last week about my friend Tom Tanner, who will be speaking. And uh, for those of you who know, he is my mentor. Thank you. And uh, so anyway, I'm excited. I really expect God to be moving on this weekend. We talked before. This is a we're really expecting the Holy Spirit to move in power. Uh, we're really expecting Him to to move in your heart. We're really expecting Him really to engage us in a, such a way, which is the name of the retreat: engage, engage in such a way that we are undone spirits that we are awakened to something we've never known before in our reality of knowing him in relationship. And so if you haven't signed up, you can still do that. We don't have a sign-up sheet, but Katie, would you stand up and just do the, the, the Vanna wave real quick? Um, if you are interested in going to Fall Retreat, it's 55 bucks. That includes a cool t-shirt. If you need help because you can't afford to go, legitimately can't afford to go, not because you just don't want to pay, uh, we have some scholarships to make that available to you. Um, I really expect that, um, yeah, there you go. I really am expecting uh, God to move in all of your lives, uh, to cause you to be undone by his nearness to you. Uh, and I say that unashamedly because I think he loves you that much. And so, as you can tell, I'm trying to sell that by using God. I guess it's okay to do that because he's going to be there. He wants you to come. Uh, but anyway, I encourage you to do that. If you haven't signed up, talk to Katie, and she'll get you hooked up on that. Okay. Um, you have your little black cards right here. Do you all have those? Those are under your butt, too. They might have like been black on black. You can't really see it very well, so just make sure you get a hold of these. Uh, if I get to the end, if we forget to tell you what to do with these, just remind me. Remind me. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, hey, um, we are done talking about sex. Sorry. 
And um, it was a fun conversation. Last week we talked about, um, we began the conversation last week talking about the, the love of God. And we began talking, and we, and we painted that picture of the prodigal, specifically the father. And being a, a, an understanding of the person, this, 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 actually being the person of the father, being Jesus, a picture of Jesus, being a picture of God. And the reality that he is an emotional God. And a God who unconditionally loves. That yes, sin can separate us, but even in the midst of our sin, even if we're enemies of God, yet that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And so the reality is that God's love for us is unconditional. It's an emotional response that he has when he thinks about us. And we saw the, saw the picture of, the, of this father literally just hiking up his robe and running down at full speed, hugging a son who smelled like pigs and pig crap, right? Because he just wanted to be with his son. He loved his son. And that type of picture that we may not have about God being this emotional, responding, unconditional, loving Father who just seeks after us and longs for us and is, is here for us. And so that's the conversation we had last week in case you missed. And this week we're going to continue on talking this week now about loving others. Now let me stop real quick and just say about this raffle. Hold on a second. I have to go back. This is like everyone. Um, Val won last week. Val, where, where, did you, where were you just like two weeks ago? You were in Japan, and she won the raffle. Tim, where, you just got home from where? Kansas City. I don't know. God seemed to be doing that. The raffle goes to people from out of town. So if you want to win, invite someone from out of town to come. They may win and give you the prize. Okay? That's the only chance you have, possibly. It's all this, like, out-of-state thing. So anyway, so talking about this returning, this uh, loving our neighbor as ourselves. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31. Incredibly familiar scripture. Mark 12, 28 to 31. Let's read this to you real quick. I'm kind of just going to be look at these verses tonight. This is one of the teachers of the law in verse 28. Came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Now, the thing I love about Mark chapter 12 is that Jesus thinks about people like me who, don't, who, who just would have a hard time learning all the law and all the prophets. So he just sums it up for these, these people like me and says, hey, everything in all the scriptures summed up in two simple sentences. First, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Basically, everything in you. The second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm very appreciative and thankful for Jesus doing this for, for me because it helps me understand. I, like, I, can know, I need to know the whole Bible, but I can really know it in those two simple phrases. So if you're struggling about knowing the Bible, learn those two verses. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything on Scripture is all summed up in these two phrases. But when I look at the reality of this, as, as great as it may seem, specifically this whole loving you know, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you, but I really just don't like most of my neighbors. Like, let's just be honest. It's like there are a few people in the world that I like and everyone else just gets on my nerves. Um, that it's not an easy thing if we're completely honest with ourselves about people around us. How many, how many people, how many of you know people that you really just don't like, right? That as Christians, you know you have to love them, but I don't like them very much, right? It's the whole mentality. Because the reality is we struggle in this understanding of actually liking and loving people because people are people. They're annoying, right? They have issues. 
That's why when we step into a group, it's like reality. We may know five or six people well, and everyone else is kind of out here, and we kind of do like, mm, you know, that whole thing right there, and we walk off. Because it's difficult to be in relationship with people, and it's especially difficult to love our neighbor. And the thing that I even look at that I don't like at all about Scripture as it relates to loving people is this. Jesus' command says, this is love that you would lay down your life for your brother. Now, that's, just, that's, that's part of the context, loving our neighbor. I'll tell you what I don't like about that. Jesus has said, hey, if you're really going to love your brother, then you have to die for them. I'm just not big on dying, honestly. Like, I, I can't wait for the day, honestly. I'm excited about it. It's not yet. And I love you, but I don't really want to die for you quite yet. I mean, I will if I have to. And then the other thing I really don't like is Jesus then sums up again of what loving your neighbor is by when he says, love your enemies. Now, when someone begins to call me all sorts of names and says things about my, my dead mother, and then begins to say even mean things about me, hoping I die, I'm not real excited about loving them. Just to be completely honest with you, I don't go, oh, thanks for saying that. I just loved you so much. I'm not really it's launching out in that. Because the idea and the understanding of loving the neighbor, that neighbor, the annoying neighbor is something that does not come easy, doesn't come naturally, and is very difficult and hard. But God gives us this command to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's the command. That's the call. In reality, that's the expectation. That's the expectation the Lord has in our lives of loving our neighbor, people outside of us, specifically laying down our lives for one another in sacrificial love, and then love, even loving our enemies, knowing that's difficult. Now, this is hard. And I want to say this tonight, and we're going to this conversation, that Jesus gives this incredible statement when he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because I want to say this, and I believe the context of us being able to love our neighbor effectively begins at this point. This second part of the phrase where it says, as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I want to say tonight that I believe that loving our neighbor begins at that place. That I think another way of saying that is if you really want to love your neighbor, you first have to love yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, then you can't effectively love your neighbor. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to actually going to, my message tonight is actually going to be a, a, my story. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me this summer as an expression of this to kind of walk you through what happened in this conversation that I had with the Lord this summer. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. But the thing that I think is interesting about this loving ourself part, that I think that shows that it's a great struggle in us is, most of you probably heard of Relevant Magazine. And yet they had this, uh, back in the summer, they had this poll, like one of those, like, call in, hey, like, here's a question, answers, what do you think, kind of polls. And the question was simply this. It says, when I look in the mirror, I think, number one, I need to work out. Two, that I'm hot. Three, I just skip the mirror altogether. Or four, I need a better wardrobe. All right? That was their question. That was their poll. And it's supposed to look like this fun, this funny, fun, hopefully probably somewhat serious poll. And I, and, I, and I looked at the answer. I thought to myself, my goodness, this really is a prime example of our inability as Christians and as people to love ourselves. Because the answers were this. The first one says, I look in the mirror, I think, one, that I need to work out is 59%. Right? 20%. I think 10% at least were lying, said I'm hot, 
I don't think they really think that. 11% said, I skipped the mirror altogether. And 10% said, I need a better wardrobe. Now, I'll just say this. It was not the guys who said, I'll skip the mirror. Because guys, as ugly as they may be, love to stand in the mirror and do this all day long. Like this, like stretching. It's like they, they're, they're okay with that, right? So 11% is probably all you women in the, here in the group. And the 20% is probably most of the guys who are just lying. So it's going to be funny. I don't know. But the reality in this answer was this. That basically two, two out of ten people are not confident in who they are. Basically have a, have a hard time loving themselves. Who, that, who they've been created by God to be. 80% of people struggled at least in this poll, I don't know how big it was, but it probably is a clear representation of people around us. This understanding of having a difficult time loving themselves. Now, when I look at this, I think, and this is the phrase I want to use because this is something the Lord's been working in my own heart. I feel like the struggle that people have, that we have in this room about loving ourselves is this. We have a hard time being comfortable in the skin that we're in. We have a hard time living in the skin that we are in. Now, if you've been around me for the last, I don't know, last several weeks, couple months, maybe you've heard me use that phrase because it's something the Lord has been working in my own heart. It's something He's been teaching me and it all was birthed out of this fact that I'm really terrible at loving people. Just to be completely honest with you, I am not good at it. When Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, Man, theoretically, I love talking about that and telling other people they need to love me, right? I'm all, about, I'm all good about telling people they need to love other people. But me actually fleshing that out, I'm not necessarily good at that. And again, in this summer, and when I was in India, I was in this place of, of praying. And, uh, and, and I was like one of those moments I, I was in India, laying in bed, had jet lag about 2.30 in the morning. And, and I'm laying there, and all of a sudden I had this... this just begin to think about life. And you know how it is, you think about like 16 different things all at one time, relationships and job and school, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, I had what I call this familiar weight. This, this thing that all of a sudden kind of made my stomach get a little bit nervous, un- unsaid a little bit. It was like this little this like weight on my chest, this weight on my shoulders that I felt. And I felt this thing, and I'm like, Lord, what exactly is this? Because God is, it's really, it's followed me all the way to India. Because it's like I said, it's a familiar way. It was something that I was, I felt on a regular basis, almost on a daily basis in some form or fashion. It's just this weight, this tension that I felt. And, as, and usually when that moment happens, I usually have to wait. I don't know about you, but when usually when I ask the Lord questions, it's very rare this life. But let me tell you right now, blah, blah, blah. It's like usually I have to wait. Maybe it's like a an hour, a couple of days, maybe a week or a month. Usually, I mean, long, finally the Lord usually speaks to me or I'll clear myself to hear. But this is a different moment. This is a different moment. I, I literally said, Lord, I was like, what is this weight? And as clear as I'm talking to you, I, it was an audible voice, but it was an internal audible voice. He said, Steve, you don't love yourself. And it shook me. But it shook me because the weight immediately left. For the first time in, in, in I don't know how long, it immediately left. And at that moment, all of a sudden, all of the things that I didn't love about myself, all of the things that I try to hide from all of you, not sin issues, just personality things, things that I'm, like me thinking I'm not a good father, me thinking, God, I'm a horrible husband, I'm a horrible leader. All of these things literally just begin to cascade down. 
But the funny thing was, it was not a guilt-driven thing. It wasn't like a horrible, like, oh, woe is me. It was this freedom moment. Because the weight left, and all of a sudden, I just began to list all of these things that I run from and try to hide from. And it was like freedom because I had just named the secrets of my heart. And I was like, Lord, what? This is crazy. God, I'm a terrible this, and Lord, I'm horrible at this, and I'm just no good at this. And, and like I was like smiling, you know, I was like, this is great. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm actually being honest about all of my weaknesses, all of my shortcomings, all of the things that I do not like about myself. I would say ultimately that they were the things that were keeping me from fully loving myself. As I laid there, I realized that I'd lived in fear, literally lived in fear of people finding out my weaknesses, my inadequacies, and my shortcomings. These things that I tried to hide or cover up or things that I simply tried to compensate for by pretending to be stronger than I really was. In essence, I felt like I was having to pretend to be something that I actually wasn't. But what was happening was this, that I was not comfortable ultimately with who God had created me to be. I was not comfortable with the, the things that God had worked in my heart, the things that he had created me to be. I was trying to be someone else. Basically, like I said before, I was not comfortable in my own skin. I was not comfortable being the person that God had created. All of my weaknesses and everything that went along with them. I was not comfortable in my own skin. In essence, God was saying, Steve, I love you. I want you to know, Steve, that I love you. And I felt like I just, it was one of the I didn't hear him say, I just knew it. I just knew it to be true as I was laying there. I said, I love you just the way you are, weaknesses and all. And you can't be someone other than who I made you to be. I can't, you can't be someone else because this is who I've made you to be. I've made you. I've made you this way. That I needed to learn to love myself just the way that he made me. Now, I'm telling you this as a story, but the reality is in this moment, I was undone. I'm sitting there and having this moment of like literally freedom in my life, literally recognizing this is what the issue's been for the last several years. And this moment that I feel this weight that I can't name, it's a tension that I can't, I, can't, I can't name to people when they ask me what's going on. It's like, well, I'm just feeling this tension. I'm feeling this weight. I can't name it. God said, you don't love yourself. And I'm like, That's, I'm not like yes, you're right, I don't, blah, 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 naming it. And he says, you need to be comfortable in your skin. So you need to be comfortable with who you are. You need to be comfortable even in the weaknesses that I have placed in your life. Now, the struggle many of us face in life is that we let other people name us, decide our value rather than recognizing who God has made us to be. We don't feel beautiful, smart, or funny simply because someone tells us we aren't we believe a lie, or something we hear every day from people or even the media around us. That's what the whole thing was with this relevant poll, wasn't it? 80% of people were not satisfied specifically with their looks. Why? Because ultimately, the culture around them, including media, had portrayed this image, the image we all move towards, that defines what we wear and how we think and the way that we act. And God was saying... You need to be comfortable in the skin that you're in. You need to fall in love with yourself. You need to love yourself. So how does this relate to loving others? Now, as I prayed that night, I asked the Lord, what do you want to do in me, God? 
what do you really want to do? What's going what's to happen in me that's going to cause me to be able to love myself? And he said this. He actually sang this over me. It's from this IHOP CD. But the song goes, all that I desire, just one thing, awaken love in me. All that I desire is just one thing. And then it's like a whole like another three minutes down the song. It says, awaken love in me. And I began to, and I heard the Lord sing that. Again, not audible, but I just, I knew it's like, awaken love. And, I, and here's the thing. This is the reason I knew it's the Lord. Because as soon as I heard that, something broke. There was a freedom. There was a joy. And I began to sing it with the Lord. Not out loud because Randall was sleeping or something. Because she lay next to me. I couldn't start singing, awaken love. You know, I couldn't do that. It's like, I was literally just like, awaken love in me. And it's literally singing in my brain. All that I desire is just one thing. Awaken love in me. Just singing that over and over and over again, right? He didn't care how it sounded. Just singing in my mind. It's like singing and singing. I sang it for about 15 minutes. That's all I did. With the Lord, singing the song. All that I desire is just one thing. Awaken love in me. And I sang it. It's like it just, it was literally like he was singing words of power and of kindness and tenderness over me. And as he sang them, it's like it saturated my entire being and got to the core of who I was. And all the dark places that had tried to hide my weaknesses all of a sudden were touched by the grace and love of God. And all of a sudden, it's like I was, there was a release in me, a comfort. I mean, it was in a sense, at that moment, I would have said, man, I'm hot. I mean, right, literally the, in the poll, I would have said, yes, Lord, I'm hot. Man, you made me hot. Loving it. This is awesome, Lord. Thank you. You've awakened love deep inside of me. You've awakened love that, Lord, I'm actually free to love myself. I'm free to love myself. Now, I'll just keep on going. That's what he says. I want you to recognize that I love you. Like, Lord, just, he just, again, he didn't necessarily speak this. I just knew it to be true, which is him speaking. So I want you to recognize that I love you, weaknesses and all. And that I am not afraid of your weaknesses. In fact, I love them. God loves our weaknesses. Why? Because it shows how much we are in need of Him. So He said, because it shows me, Steve, how much you are in need of me. It shows how much you are in need of others around you. Your weaknesses are a gift to keep you humble. Your weaknesses are a gift to keep you humble. That you will every day recognize your need for me. You will recognize your need for community. Surrounding yourselves with people who are strong in the areas that you're weak in because you need, you need other people. You can't do it on your own. You need people around. You need people to speak into your life and be strong in your areas of weakness. Your weaknesses are a gift. That, that kind of struck me. Your weaknesses are actually a gift. I don't see them as a gift. I didn't. That was my struggle. I saw them as weaknesses. See, I don't know about you, but when I have weaknesses in my life, I run from them. I try to cover them. I don't want people to see that I'm not good at something, right? If, when some, if, if you were around me and I begin to get defensive, it's probably because you've just touched on one of my weaknesses, an area I think you've exposed inside of me. Isn't that what we always do? How many of you have broken relationships with people because you begin to press on an area that they feel weak in and they get defensive and you hurt their feelings and they run away? How many of you get defensive when people begin to touch your areas of weakness and God is saying, no, no, let the weaknesses be exposed because that just shows your need for me and for other people. This is a gift, Steve. I'm laying there in bed that night saying, Lord, this is a 
It's a gift. Okay. <laughs> it's a struggle for me a little bit. And not of one is like, let me tell you my weaknesses today, right? I'm a terrible at this. Like, but it's like the Lord's saying, this is what I need you to do. I need you to see that your weaknesses are actually a gift. And I love them. I'm not afraid of your weaknesses. I realized that night that the weight that I had been feeling was the stress of trying to be something I could never be. How many of you have ever tried to be perfect and been overwhelmed by the stress of it because you don't let yourself embrace your weakness? That you don't love yourself because you recognize your weakness and you think you should be perfect and you feel like you almost you're in sin, that you're less than because, oh my gosh, I had this. And the Lord's saying, man, I, no, actually I've given that to you. Don't miss it. That weakness in you is a gift so you can recognize how much you need me. I want you to need me. I want you to need other people around you. I needed God's help and others around me who were stronger than me. I needed to have love awakened in me so that I could love myself in the midst of all of my weaknesses. The way the Father loved me in the midst of all of my weaknesses. He loved me honestly and truthfully with nothing hidden, right? I became aware of both weaknesses that revealed my neediness. And I also became aware of my strengths. That's the interesting thing the Lord did for me. In the midst of all of that, not only to say, here are your weaknesses, but he showed me my strengths. Steve, you're really good at this. This is how I have actually given grace and empowered you in life. But I've also given you your weaknesses so to, t- to temper your pride that comes along with your strengths. Strengths and weaknesses, have to be aware of those, recognizing both of them in our lives. They're both gifts from the Lord. So, at that moment, I said, Lord, why do you, Lord, why do I need to love myself? That's the point. Like, I don't know about you, but when I think about loving myself, I think all of a sudden, egocentric, right? Self-focused, self-absorbed, selfish. But the Lord really clearly says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Hmm. So the Lord said, you cannot truly love others if you don't love yourself. Why? The Bible says that we are capable of loving only because he first loved us. In essence, it takes love being awakened in us, becoming living, breathing, and active in us before we are capable of truly and effectively loving others. If we can't receive love, then we won't truly know how to give it away. One of the pictures you see in, 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 our, human, in our human form as human beings is this. Infants. If you take an infant and you take it away from all touch and all physical affection... They literally have their growth stunted, literally. Affections are learned at an early age, and if, not re- if it's not received, they'll forever be damaged because they have not learned how to receive love and affection. They'll have attachment disorders, right? They'll have trouble building and maintaining intimate relationships. Touch for an in- infant actually provides the foundation for the brain's early organization. Holding an infant stimulates the brain to release important hormones necessary for growth. Infants who are not touched and shown affection literally will have this attachment struggle. Uh, you know, we talk about Tammy Hutchins, who lives in India, our good friend who runs his children's home, and she has children who are that way, and they literally have problems in the home. They have a hard time attaching, even though the, the love of God and the love of Tammy and the rest of the home is so prevalent. They literally have a hard time receiving because this detachment disorders is actually happening. They're struggling, and the, and the fact for us... I believe, is this. If we're not truly capable of loving ourselves, this same type of detachment disorder happens. 
we're really not able to effectively engage in intimacy with other people. We can't ultimately engage God in a true affectionate relationship, intimate relationship, because we're not able to receive love. That's what happens. This detachment thing, this whole idea of loving ourselves, is that if we don't first receive love, and knowing how great people think we are, how great God thinks we are, we're really incapable of loving others. We're incapable of loving ourselves. We have to receive love. And then this idea of in loving others, birth out of this love for ourselves. So what does that look like? Some people cannot thrive in relationships because they cannot believe that people would actually love them and think they're beautiful. Love in these relationships is never a two-way conversation, right? We can't receive love because we can't love ourselves. We never feel at peace inside of ourselves. We're always beating ourselves up, never believing anything good about who we are, what we look like. This is what I felt like the Lord began to show me in India. I felt like he said this. I wasn't capable of truly loving others and showing them compassion because I didn't know how to receive it myself. If I could not show myself grace, then how could I show others grace? If I couldn't show myself compassion, then I couldn't show others compassion. If all I ever practiced in my life was being hard on myself and expecting unattainable things from myself, then I was probably going to portray that same expectation on others. In essence, I'm only capable of expressing to others what has been birthed in my own heart. I think that's ultimately what it gets at. I think it's the ultimate meaning of loving your neighbor as you love yourself. God desires all of us, and his commandment to us is to do that. We've got to love others. We have to love ourselves. Many of us have no idea how to love ourselves, which greatly hinders our ability to love others. We put up walls because we just can't embrace this idea of love. Somehow we've, we, we have a hard time, and it's even this idea of we just kick ourselves all day long, feeling like we're guilty, feeling like, God doesn't love us, that we're not capable of really being affected. We are so aware of our weaknesses that we're trying to hide from them all day long. We can't actually recognize that we can love those things about us because God's not afraid of them. He actually loves those things about us. But here's the thing, something the Lord pressed on me that night. He said this, and all you know this in your head, but the Lord spoke this to me, and it got past my head to my heart. He said this, he says, this is verbatim what I heard. He says, my value is who I am in you, not what others think of you. My value, your value, Steve, is what I think of you, not what others think of you. Basically, God was saying this, Steve, you're great because I love you and I think that you're great. I think that you're great. That's the heart of the Lord. He thinks that we're great, even in the midst of all of our weaknesses. And the thing that he's getting us to is this. If God thinks something is great, and if God loves something, then he expects us to think those things are great also and to love those things. Basically, it's this. God, if God loves something, his expectation is that we too will love that thing. So when we sit here tonight and we hear, love your neighbor as you love yourself, God's saying, listen, I'm in love with you. I think that you were great. 
I think that your weaknesses, I'm not afraid of them. In fact, I'm very confident in your weaknesses because I know that they are a recognition of your need for me. And I will actually meet you. I will be strong in your weaknesses. I will place people around you who will be gifted in that area and help and come alongside of you and be strong in that area. You don't have to be the lone ranger walking around by yourself trying to be perfect because you won't be because I've placed weaknesses in you to cause you to need me. Only I can make you perfect in your weakness. And so God's saying, I love you in the midst of all of your weaknesses. And you don't need to hide those any longer. You don't have to be afraid of those. That's what happened that night. I'm literally laying there and I'm just like naming these things. And God's just speaking this word, awaken love in me, awaken love. And his love he's trying to awaken ultimately is a love for myself. Because this is what happens. In the moment, in the moment that I've, I've become awakened to God's love and him, him saying, Steve, I love you and your weaknesses. In that moment, I'm not afraid of those weaknesses. I'm not afraid to name those. If you've been around me, I've probably told you if, you're, if we're having a conversation about it, listen, I'm so aware of my weaknesses. How many of you have heard me say that in the last six months? I just said, I'm so aware of my weaknesses. So aware of my need for God. I am needy. Of God. I am broken without Him. I am so in need of His presence. I am so in need of Him moving in my heart. Listen, I don't know how to do anything. I'm clueless about so many things in life, about leadership, about being a husband, about being a, about being a, a father, about all these things. I'm so clueless. I need help. And I'm expecting people to come alongside who are strong in those areas because I recognize I'm weak. I'm, I'm expecting God to move in my life. And what I've come to, this, what I've come to is this. God, I love my weaknesses. I don't necessarily, it's one of those things, I'm not like so excited, yeah, I love my weaknesses, but I'm like, I'm coming to this recognition that my weaknesses are God's gifts to me. These things are recognized, I'm just not good at this. I'm just not, a, I'm just not really capable of this in my life. I don't have to be something I'm not. And there's this, this freedom in that. To say, God, I, I do love me. <laughs> I do love myself. I do, I love myself because you're in love with me. And if you think I'm worthy to be loved, then Lord, I, then I love myself. Not in an egotistical, self-centered way that I'm like, oh my gosh, look at me. But just like, God, I, I love who you've made me to be. I love my frailty. I love my, my ignorance. I love this inability. God, I'm, so, I'm just so thankful for these things. I just love my strengths, God. Thank you so much for these gifts that actually I can be strong for someone else in their areas of weakness. And the point that God gets at for all of us is that there are weaknesses in all of us. That's what that card's for that you were holding. When we go into our prayer time, we're going to actually take communion tonight. And what we're going to do is this. You're going to write down those own weaknesses in your life that you hide from. Those things in your own life, literally, that you are afraid of. That if people saw them in you, you would feel vulnerable and you would automatically get defensive. Because what has to happen in you is you have to get, you have to die to that part, that fear, and you have to embrace on this side over here your weaknesses. And what I want you to do is I want, we're gonna, you're going to have a time after we begin to worship, you're just going to write those things down and take communion. We're going to come around like this and you're going to put them in that basket right there. Uh, and then you're going to take communion. And then we're going to trade that card for something else that David's going to hold this to hand to you. But the thing I want you to begin to see tonight is this, that all of us, 
All of us have weaknesses. All of us have these, these frailties, these personality traits in us that are, when people see them, we think, oh, things that sometimes even hinder us from being in a relationship because we're afraid people are going to expose our weaknesses in us. And what, I, and what I came to in this reality as I was praying that night in bed was recognizing that, that I had these weaknesses and that God wanted to awaken this love and he wanted to pierce my heart and just and tell me, man, things are going to be okay, Steve. Things are great, actually. These things, you don't need to be stressed out and worried about trying to hide and cover these frailties, these, these things in your life, these feelings. But instead, Steve, you need to let a love be awakened and that you recognize it's okay. It's okay to think that, to recognize that I love you, to recognize who you are, and it's okay to love yourself. Because when you come to this reality of loving yourself, then, Steve, you're capable of actually loving others. So what I realized was that I'd actually been unfair to people around me because I was placing expectations for them to be something that I knew I couldn't be. I expected something out of them that, that, I, that they needed to be this. It wasn't fair because I wasn't giving them compassion because I couldn't give myself compassion. But as I got to that point, I recognized I have my own frailties and I can recognize those in other people. So I look at other people and I can actually love them in grace, recognizing you're frail and broken just like me. That's what enables you to actually love difficult neighbors. Because you're able to look at them and say, God loves them just the way they are in the midst of all of their frailties and brokenness because they're just like me. And if God can love them, then I can love them because they're really no different than me at all. And that's where it's birth, this understanding of loving your neighbor as yourself. It's understanding that we are all broken, we are all frail, and we all need to give each other grace, this freedom, this freedom to love, freedom to love ourselves and the freedom to love others who even may be our enemies. I think it's a good test, isn't it? To know how well you're doing at showing yourself grace is how well are you doing at showing grace to your enemy and loving them and knowing that's the call of God. Let's pray. Father, tonight I want to ask that you would come and that, Lord, you would move, that you would speak to us, God. That, Lord, as we take communion, that, Lord, you would begin to shape us and change us. Father, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. What we're going to do tonight is this. Uh, I'm going to you have your cards, and as we begin to go into worship, you can take some time. Maybe write on those, and as you feel ready, you can come. And, and just as you walk by, there's this, this little tin, this little silver thing right here. Um, you're just going to put your black cards in this right here. It's literally, in a sense, a, a death of sorts. Uh, if you didn't know anything about um, communion, uh, when Jesus, you know, you know that most of you probably know the story. Jesus literally standing there with his best friends his loved ones, right? His, the closest people in the world to him. And he comes and he wants to have this celebration, right? Of recognizing what he's doing for them, right? He says, I'm, I'm, this is my body. And he holds up the bread and he literally, and we, in church we do, this is the body, you know, broken. It's like, that's what it, what it is. He's literally, he's breaking the, his body. His body was broken, right? For them because he loved them. It was an act of love. That's what it was. It was simply an undeniable incredible expression of him laying down his life 
for his friends. That's what it was. That the blood of Jesus shed. Why? Because he said, I want to make a way. I want to, sh- I'm not my blood, his blood, I mean, in the whole picture is this, his blood literally cleansed you. His blood for your blood, basically. And it made you capable of actually entering into his presence and being an intimate love relationship with him. This is my body. This is my blood. Because my love for you is undeniable. It's unstoppable. And I'm doing whatever I can to make that happen for you. I love you. It's his expression of love. As we take communion tonight, I want you to, I want you to literally see that, 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 that communion represents this death to new life, basically. Going from death to new life in him. And what I want you to, in your experience tonight of taking communion, I want you to experience literally laying down these things in your own life that you feel is unlovable. Laying those down. And then allowing yourself to be opened up to receive love and to love yourself so you can have freedom to love your neighbor. That's what I want tonight to be. And so just a quick, just a quick thing for communion. Communion is for those who say, yes, I am in a relationship with Jesus. I've laid down everything in my life. I'm quote unquote a Christian. Everything belongs to him. My life. He is Lord and ruler of everything in my life. If that's you tonight, then I would love for you to partake. I would say this, if you say that's not me, then I would encourage you, where are you standing?